there are spirits everywhere, watching, waiting, seeking that opportune time to reveal themselves like no other. They fill our worlds with so much. Seriously? You didn't just do that. You farted on the promo? What's wrong with you? I thought you were professional. C go away. Go I, I got it. I got it. Hey everybody, it's Brian Bowden, host of Nobo Boomy, where we explore deep inside the Goblin universe. We have an amazing show that covers the paranormal, conspiracies, music, art, entertainment, trending topics, and so much more. Please join us by subscribing to the show on Podbean at InsideTheGoblinUniverse.Podbean.com, on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and everywhere you find podcasts. It's an informative, fun, and overall entertaining good time, and uh, we'll keep the gas to ourselves. Why don't you burp next time? Someone give me Brian Anderson. Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward, along with a special segment, Oddities with John Mallard. Welcome back, folks, to Paranormal Heart, your paranormal podcast that you can now enjoy on the second Sunday and last Sunday of each month. As usual, you can find Boo and I on Podbean, YouTube, SparkRadioNet.Work, iTunes, Spotify, and any other place you can find fine podcasts. Folks, you probably noticed that I've been giving shoutouts to various countries that have been listening to the show. I absolutely love seeing all the amazing places my listeners are from, and appreciate you all, and some of you also like knowing the amazing locations around the world, so I thought every episode I'd mention a country. So this month, I'd like to give a shout out to you listeners in India. Much love and respect to you all, and thanks so much for listening. I hope you've been enjoying my guest narrators on the last few episodes while John took a little break, and I'll be having them on again from time to time. Now, as promised, he's back this episode so let's hear what weird and wonderful things John has for us with Oddities with John Mallard. Over to you, John. Hey, folks, welcome to Oddities, strange facts about an odd, odd world that are very, very, very true. I'm a guy who loves firsts. I really am. I love to be the first person in line. I love to be the first person a girl ever kisses. Well, not anymore because I'm married. I'd like to be the first to say I'm sorry for saying that before my wife gets mad. But that's beside the point. This month's oddities is all about, well, firsts. Famous firsts. Things that, well, came first. A few more fascinating firsts for you guys right now. Toothbrush. 
According to 17th century Chinese encyclopedia, the toothbrush was invented in China in 1498 and appears to have been on the same basic design as modern brushes. Toothbrush bristles were made from animal hair until 1938 when the first nylon bristle brushes were finally introduced. Radio broadcast. First radio broadcast was on Christmas Eve, 1906, in Brent Rock, Massachusetts. Professor Reginald Aubrey Festival played O Holy Night on the violin. The broadcast was heard as far away as the West Indies. Parachuting. The first parachute jump from an aircraft was made by André Jacques Ganin on October 27, 1797. He jumped out of a balloon from a height of 2,230 feet and landed in a park in Paris. The ride was so bumpy that he also became the first person to get airsick. My God, you got to be a brave man to be the first ever person to, you know, deploy a parachute. <laughs> Woo! Frozen food. The first individually packaged frozen food products were created by Clarence Birdseye. They first appeared at grocery stores in Springfield, Massachusetts on March 6, 1930. Among the first products, frozen peas, frozen spinach, frozen raspberries, and frozen fish, all of which can be found in my freezer. Moving on. Elevator. The first passenger elevator was French, installed in King Louis XV's private rooms in the Palace of Versailles in 1743. The flying chair, as it was known, was actually on the outside of the building and it had no motor. It went up and down with the assistance of a carefully balanced system of weights and pulleys. Interesting. Comics. Before there were comic books, there were comic strips. The first was The Yellow Kid, which appeared on Sundays in the New York Journal beginning October 24, 1897. Daily comic strips started in 1904, and the first comic book was published in 1933. It was actually a collection of said strips. The raincoat. First raincoat was made by an engineer from French Guinea, Francois Fresneau. He discovered rubber trees there in 1747 and used their sap to waterproof an old overcoat by smearing it on it. And, of course, something very odd indeed. The first ever human cannibal, this feat, was first appeared at West Amphitheater in London on April 2nd, 1877, by a performer, Zazel, billed as a beautiful lady fired from a monstrous cannon. The cannon was actually powered by springs, which gently shot her into a large safety net. So there you have it. Why be last when you can be first? For more strange firsts and oddities, make sure you check out the Odd the Newfoundland Paranormal podcast. Back to you cat thanks so much john my next guest has been fascinated by the mystical and paranormal all of his life he's a paranormal investigator amateur ufologist certified tarot card reader hypnotist reiki master and mystic he is the author of several books including an angel came down he's also the host of podcast the spirit side and co-host of people under the stairs please help me welcome paul james caden Hey, Paul. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the show. I think we have a, a great topic for your listeners tonight. So do I. And I just want to apologize to you and the listeners. As you can tell by, by my uh, voice, I'm a little under the weather. The plague has hit my household. It <laughs> uh, is the season, you know, school and everything. So not much you can do about it. So we just kind of move on. So where would you like to start? Well, I'd like to start by saying at least thank your lucky stars. It's not the stomach bug. But <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I'll take a little congestion over that anytime. <laughs> well, I, I guess with this story, you know, there's a, a series of books out there. I'm sure many of your listeners are familiar with called the uh, 411 Missing Person Cases. 
which is written by uh, David uh, Pilates Pilates. Many people pronounce his names, and uh, I'm not sure which the right pronunciation is. I know. I've heard it pronounced so many different ways. But um, it, it's a really uh, interesting set of books talking about people disappearing in national forests and just out on hunting excursions. And, you know, one of the things I would kick off by, by telling your listeners, and uh, I think I told this, uh, this story in one of the podcasts we've done uh, with people under the stairs when we had a group of us. And I, I'd never heard anything uh, of this nature before until years later. I mean, I'm, I'm 52 now, and I'm just now beginning to hear of people that had similar experiences and things that are coming out with these 411 cases. But I grew up in a town called Middletown, New York. And just probably about five miles outside of Middletown is uh, a, little, a little hamlet called South Centerville, New York. And a lot of woods, you know, in, in that particular area. And... Back in the day, this was, it's called the, the Minisink area all through, you know, this part of Orange County because it was Native American land back in the day. And even if you look up online, the Orange County fairgrounds in Middletown, New York and Orange County, they say that there was a curse on the fairgrounds because every year when the fair would open in August, they would have two or three days where there were these torrential downpours of rain and it would just like shut everything down so people called it you know the the orange county fair curse so i don't know if this had anything to do with it or not being native american land which you know i'm, I'm sure is uh, a lot of native americans back in the day the land was probably taken uh, from them in not very nice uh terms <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah but uh, this was the summer of, I want to say 1981. There were a bunch of us kids that hung out. We you know, rode our bikes up and down the road. And uh, you, you went down the road, and it was about a mile ride, just the road and woods on either side. And there was this big rock on the side of the road, and so we called it the big rock. I'm going to ride my bike down to the big rock. And uh, so, you know, we're all hanging out at my one friend uh, Dave's in his yard, you know, one afternoon in the summer. And all the, the little kids come up and they're like, guys, don't don't ride your bike down, you know, down by the big rock at night. You know, there's something in the woods. And we just completely ignored them. You know, we're like, yeah, they're, they're trying to, you know, psych us out. You know, nobody even acknowledged what they were saying. You know, uh, days later, they're still don't ride your bike down there. There's something in the woods. And we're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Whatever. And uh, so long story short, uh, me and a friend of mine are taking a walk one night and there's a churchyard on route six as you're going toward the big rock. It was called Holy Cross Church. It's, it's still there, a Catholic church. And uh, we're just about in front of the churchyard and my friend stops and he says, what the hell is that? And he points across the road and it was a kind of a dark moonless night and I, I look and I see something that's blacker than the night, but I really can't make out what it is. But by this time, he's like running in the opposite direction. So I figured he saw something completely, you know, horrendous. So I didn't 
bother to look anymore. I just took off after him. Now, fast forward to that the next February. It's nighttime. I'm waiting for my friends. We all went shopping. All the parents and kids went shopping on Friday night. So my family was usually the first one back. I'm waiting for, you know, some of my friends to get home with their parents. There's snow on the ground. It's it's crusty because there's there's ice, you know, a layer of ice on, on top of the uh, the snow. And it must have been at least <clears throat> knee deep or higher. I mean, this this is a deep snow because it snowed like all winter that year. And here I am down at the churchyard. You know, I, you walk down this kind of driveway, I guess you would call it, to the parking lot. And then if you hung a right, you went around the church building, and then there was the parking lot. To the far left was the Sunday school building, and there was a street light, a street lamp right by the, the Sunday school building that lit up the parking lot. And I come around the side of the, the churchyard, and suddenly from out of the side of the Sunday school building steps this tall, black, thing and it wasn't a bear because bears were hibernating it was cold i'm out there walking around in like 25 degree weather at, at night and uh i'm looking at this thing it's right under the street light and it, it must have been i would say eight feet tall maybe taller if i was standing in front of this thing and i'm five foot eleven i definitely would be looking up at it and i just remember how wide its shoulders were and you, you could see like the definition of the like chest muscles i mean for all intents and purposes this thing looked like a, a sasquatch or a bigfoot and it tips its head back and it's like sniffing the air like an animal picking up a scent and i'm looking at this thing and the thoughts that go through my head are what does it smell is it does it smell me and if it does, you know, am I dinner? Is this thing going to come yeah. after me? So I back up. I walk backwards around to the front of the church. I turn around. I, I run like hell for home. And by this time, and again, fast forward, uh, you know, to, to get to the point of the story, everybody in the neighborhood is seeing things. They're hearing things. Even my father, one night, he comes home from walking the dog. And, uh, he, you know, he wasn't a guy that wasn't afraid of ghosts or ghost stories or the paranormal. He didn't really think about that kind of thing. And uh, he owned handguns. And after this particular night, he never went, you know, walked the dog. We had a dog at that time. He never walked the dog again at night down that road without taking one of his, his handguns with him. Because he said he got, again, just right by the churchyard. And there was, you know, some, some woods by, by the church. And uh, he said he heard something that sounded really big running through the woods. He could hear, hear the footsteps thumping on the ground as this thing ran. <clears throat> and he didn't know if it was a bear. He didn't know what it was. But he heard the thing come out of the woods and hit the road, but he couldn't see anything. And he said the only thing he could think to do was like brace for impact because something was about to collide with him or jump on him. And he said the, these footsteps got right next to him and he was ready for this thing to like take him off his feet, whatever it was. And there was nothing. It was gone. It was completely silent. 
So for him to say that and, you know, start carrying a gun, that makes, of course, the kids, you know, we're 15 and, and younger and makes us go, hmm, you know, well, that's not good. You know, no. <laughs> so, you now, know was, you, was his counter right around, encounter right around the same time you had yours? Was it winter as well? His encounter was, I believe it was the following spring, early spring. Mm-hmm. So maybe around uh, March or, or April or early May. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't cold weather at that that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the church at this time was it um, still being used as a church? It was an abandoned uh, building. It was still being used. I mean, they, okay. they still have uh, services there to this day. It's it's an active church, you know. Uh, there, there's a lot of weird tales uh, around that uh, that churchyard, hmm. and um, you know where I lived. You know, you talk about poltergeist energy, and they say they usually show up where there's kids 15 to 18, and there's a lot of angst. Mm-hmm. And the, the the neighborhood where I lived, it, it was like the Amityville horror. Everybody was seeing things and hearing things. And the the neighborhood, as you get older, and you find out what's going on there. I mean, we had. A father with, uh, you know, his son and his daughter uh, lived next door to us. That was our friends, uh, you know, Dave and Mary. And come to find out, uh, you know, daddy and daughter Mary are having an incestual relationship. Oh, wow. My, my father was a drinker and verbally abusive. The guy across the road, you know, our other friend's house. They were, you know, they were verbally abusive to one another. Mm-hmm. The guy on the other side, he he was a drinker and he beat his kids and his wife, which, of course, were some of our friends. So there was a lot of crazy stuff. And I don't know if this is what brought all this out in, in this neighborhood, but it was it was really bizarre. Some of the things that, you know, grownups and kids alike uh, were saying, you know, what is this? You know, there's there's like weird stuff everywhere. But uh, fast forward with this story to the October of 1982. And um, me and my brother and my one friend, Dave, we decide we're going to go hunting for this thing, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being, you know, skilled, uh, you know, creature and Bigfoot hunters that we are, <laughs> we arm ourselves with a baseball bat, a dagger, oh. and, a, and a set of homemade nunchucks. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do, you know, wonders with this. If we run across this, you know, yeah. <laughs> so we go down to the big rock. There was a path that led up into a field and then into the woods. We went all around the woods by the big rock and around the, you know, nothing. You know, we started out probably, probably about 10 in the morning. And, uh, you know, we were headed home about 1230 quarter to one. And we're walking home, we're on the road, and again, here we are just, you know, maybe about maybe about a half a football field's length from the church, and there's an embankment, there's a field, and some other, like, sparse woods, <clears throat> you know, at the edge of the field. And uh, most of the leaves, you could see into the, the woods, you know, they weren't that heavy at the edge of the field. And a lot of the leaves were coming off the trees at that particular time. So as we're walking, we hear this noise coming from 
the trees on you know the edge of the field where we're walking. So we stop and we're like, "What is that?" And I, I swear to God and everything I hold dear and holy and precious in life, this thing sounded like a roaring lion coming coming from the trees across the field toward us. But we couldn't see anything. And before we know it, we hear this roaring right in front of us over the embankment. And I remember looking up and my brother had like this look of sheer horror on his face. And he goes, I don't know what the hell that thing is, but it's invisible. We can't see it. And again, we, we just all took off running because... You know, you could hear this thing, the distance coming across till it's right in front of us. And it's like, what the hell is that? You know, and uh, that that was my experience of encountering something that I couldn't see. And I never heard anybody tell a story like that in, in my life until doing podcasting and, you know, doing YouTube I met a gentleman by the name of Kevin Town who lives in uh, Jamestown, New York. And he told a story on his YouTube channel that back in the early mid-80s when he was younger, he was homeless for a time and he lived in a tent. And around the woods where he was living in his tent, uh, there were some things that were Uh, attacking like horses and cows in the field. You know, some of them were being injured, like they were being tore, but nobody knew what it was. And uh, he went to town one day to see his girlfriend. And then, you know, it was probably, he said it was summertime, probably about three, four in the afternoon. He came back home to his tent. (laughs) He's he's walking down this country road, you know, about to, you know, turn into the woods and go back to his tent. And he said he heard something coming through the woods, you know, snapping twigs, very, very heavy, you know, heavy footed. And he said he heard this thing, the heavy footsteps come out of the woods and stomping right across the road in front of him to the woods on the other side of the, the road, entered the woods. And again, you know, the, the, the leaves are rustling, the, mm-hmm. the twigs are snapping, but he saw absolutely nothing. You know, and I remember him saying that, you know, I don't know what it was, guys, but this thing passed right in front of me and I couldn't see it, you know. It sounds like something right out of that TV show, Supernatural, Good Grief. Yeah, and it was at that moment that I said, hey, I got to contact this guy because I used to watch his YouTube channel because he would talk about uh, paranormal. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I ended up, uh, when I started podcasting, I asked him to come on the show. We became friends. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's got a lot of stories that, uh, uh, definitely very similar, but that, that was the only, the, the second story I've ever heard of someone saying that there was something that they couldn't see walking right in front of them. And, you know, when you get into the 411 cases, how do we, how do we know as some people say that there isn't some kind of invisible predator out there? Mm-hmm. You know, if if we can't see it coming up on us, then of course we we have no defense. You know, and the, there was another story that uh, I, I watched, and I don't remember the guy's YouTube channel, but this was about a year ago. 
that uh, Kevin had told me about it because he's really into camping and bushcraft and he watches a lot of YouTube channels with people that do that sort of thing. And uh, there was one guy that he watches, and he, he doesn't talk about the paranormal. He does a bushcraft and camping, and he said he, you know, he had mentioned on his channel that he saw something weird one time. And of course, his viewers said, "What is it? What is it?" And of course, when he told the story, uh, Kevin shared the uh, the link with me and 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 people on the, the his YouTube channel. But there was a gentleman who was uh, he was camping in. Let me find the, the name of this this mountain range he was at. It was did I write it down? St. John John's Mountain in the state of Georgia. Uh, he said the you know this guy on his channel said those are the first and last time he ever camped there. He went during the day, he set up his camp, and he said when nighttime came. He just had an uneasy feeling the whole time, even during the day when he was setting up his camp. And uh, he, he didn't pay attention to it because he, he almost felt like something or someone was watching him. But he's like, ah, you know, it's just my imagination. There's, there's you know, nobody here. And uh, when nighttime came, he said there was a full moon. And, you know, it was casting that, you know, bright kind of glow across the woods and, you know, his campsite. And, you know, he said he was laying on his back with his feet in his tent and, you know, the upper half of his body sticking out. He was like looking at the moon and the trees and stars. And he said, all of a sudden, the crickets, all noises of nature just completely stopped. That's never a good sign. Yeah. And he said, it's that, that well, that's weird, you know, and, and he hears something coming through the woods. So he sits up, he's wondering, you know, is it a bear? Is it a person? You know, what's, what's coming through the woods? And again, it sounds rather large. And he says, there's a tree at the edge of his camp and something jumps on the tree that he can physically see the tree shaking and moving. And then it was like whatever it was jumped from that tree to another tree next to it, and that tree is moving. And he said whatever it was, there, there was something in the tree, and it jumped from one tree to the other, but he couldn't see it. And he said at that point, you know, he grabbed what he could carry, and he left all of his camping gear, some of it, you know, quite expensive, and he just took off down the trail, you know, toward his car, and, and you know, in the... Uh, the middle of the night and he said he never went back uh to get his stuff he said he would never go to to john's mountain again hmm. but uh he said he was probably about halfway down the trail and you know he heard something on the trail behind him and you know he was getting panicked like you know this thing is in in pursuit you know what what the hell is it hmm. and uh he said he finally got about halfway down the trail and uh, suddenly, it was like somebody flicked a switch. And <clears throat> all the sounds of the crickets and nature just started again. And uh, then he felt when that happened that whatever it was uh, must have been gone. So he was a little bit relieved, but he definitely hightailed it to his vehicle and, you know, took off, never went back. And uh, that's the only 
paranormal or weird story that that guy ever shared on his channel because people asked him, hey, what was this weird thing that you saw? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so again, we have invisible uh, something. But what the hell are they? You know, I've heard some people speculate that um, because at this point it's only speculation because you can't really prove or disprove. But I've heard some people say that when you can't hear the wildlife like that, that they believe that you are actually in another location, almost like um, in a different dimension or something. Um, you can still see your world, but you're not fully in that world. And that's why you can't hear you know, the crickets and everything like that. And then once that goes away, then you're back fully into your own plane. But I've uh, only heard a few people say things like that. Have you ever heard that? I have. I have heard people say that, that maybe these things, uh, you know, either everything in nature knows that there's something not nice around, so it's just quiet, or temporarily, you know, they are uh, changing the dynamics of our dimension mm -hmm. somehow, that we're not really where... We think we are. Mm. I wonder if um, it would be interesting to find out in um, cases like that if anyone has a compass with them and if the compass is uh, just spinning, you know, or if it's just normal. It would be really interesting to find out. But I guess under circumstances like that, that's the last thing you're going to think about is grab your compass. Yeah, well, well here's one that uh, maybe you've heard about. Uh, and, and I've heard the uh, the rumors <clears throat> circulating on the, the internet, uh, you know, about this woman who was on a hunting expedition and she was up in the trees, you know, hunting deer in a deer stand. She had a, a crossbow. It was, you know, bow season. And uh, she saw something uh, as the man in, in John's mountain range in Georgia <clears throat> jumping from tree to tree. And uh, it was said that it looked like something that was made out of saran wrap <laughs> that you could see through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, could, you could see it, but you couldn't see it. And also described as the, uh, the predator in stealth mode out of the, the predator movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. yep. Now what I, now what I didn't know, because I thought now, is that true? Or is that just one of these, you know, rain brain uh, internet stories that, you know, somebody's putting out there. But what I didn't know until I saw the documentary 411 The Hunted uh, is that this was the wife of a gentleman by the name of Bruce Maccabee. And Bruce Maccabee is uh, a no-nonsense guy who was in a lot of <coughs> UFO documentaries. Uh, he was the specialist that people took their, their photos and their video footage to to say, is this authentic? Is it mm -hmm. doctored? And uh, he disproved a lot of them. You know, when you saw Bruce McAbee, you had a, you know, maybe a, a one in 10 shot that he was going to go, yeah, I can't explain this one. Because a lot of it, he was like, yeah, you know, I don't know about this. But mm -hmm. this was his, this was his wife. Oh, wow. That she, that she was out hunting because, you know, she, she hunts. And she said she was in her deer, her deer stand with her crossbow. And she heard something and she looked up and she saw that not far from her, this, predator type thing going you know tree to tree and the interesting thing that she said is that while she was watching this thing she was almost in a hypnotic state like she was transfixed by it 
you know, almost like it was, you know, her, her consciousness is being altered somehow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she got the idea cause she had her, uh, her cell phone with her or a camera or, or whatever it was. She said, I got to get, try to get a picture of this. And, uh, she took it out. She snapped the picture and <clears throat> she got it home and, and, you know, told her husband, Bruce, what had happened. Uh, something, uh, fudged up the camera. <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. by being in his presence. And uh, so, yeah, that turned out to be a true story that's uh, definitely kind of creepy. That's interesting. Hmm. I wonder, do you know, uh, Did what did you say she took out? Was it a camera or a phone? I don't remember which one it was, whether okay. it was uh, uh, a cell phone or whether it was just a camera that she had to take pictures of. Mm-hmm. If she, like, you know, got, you know, bagged a buck or something. I don't remember what it was, but... You know, uh, if you watch 411, The Hunted, uh, they have her story in there and her husband saying, you know, what what happened to the camera, you know, that was very strange, um, you know, when she tried to snap a picture of this thing. Mm-hmm. And again, this, this isn't a guy that uh, has ever gone down for hoaxes or nonsense. So when I found out, you know, he was involved, it was his wife, I was like, all right, you know, I'm more apt to believe uh, there's something here that, uh, you know, it's creepy. It's damn creepy. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's bad enough seeing creatures that are, you know, that big, but hearing them and feeling them and not being able to see them? Uh, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, w- I was just talking to my wife, uh, you know, before we uh, we did the show, and I said, you know... <clears throat> When we're kids, most of us are afraid of the dark. We don't want to go somewhere that's unfamiliar, the wide open spaces, the woods mm-hmm. at night. And our parents tell us, oh, it's all your imagination. There's no such thing as monsters. There's nothing out there. Mm-hmm. And now, now that we're older and people like you and I that look into this kind of thing, we're like, bullshit, there's something out there. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. like my experience when I was a child with uh, the hat man and um, that I used to tell my my parents, you know, it was the men in the closet. And uh, one time my father, it was a big walk-in closet that I had. And my father took me there to say, you know, there's nothing here at night that isn't here in the daytime. And you probably heard me say this before. I just looked at him and I said, you mean he's here in the daytime too? <laughs> he was trying to console me, but, uh, you know, comfort me to make and reassure me. But um, the way that I was thinking, of course, it's like, no, it, it kind of backfired on him. And he kind of regretted saying that, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it, it makes you wonder, like a lot of other things, they say kids are much more in tune with, mm-hmm. you know, with God, with spirit, with, you know, things that uh, we don't necessarily see or grown-ups take for granted. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that fear of dark, the, the dark or the <clears> unknown, <throat> uh, maybe there's something to it. And society kind of bleaches that good sense out of us where, yeah. you know, we're wandering out places where we're getting uh uh, as we say, four one one. Yeah, yeah. This, like I say, the spite my my spidey senses tingle whenever uh, there's something around. It is, and and now here's one um, I wanted to share with you, and I don't know if you ever heard of this or not. The Dyatlov Pass incident. Have you ever heard of this? No. What was what's the the what pass? All right, for uh, for you or you know any of your listeners who want to look this up, mm-hmm. the spelling is D Y A 
T-L-O-V-P-A-S-S. So it's the Love Pass incident. Oh, I've never heard of it. Or maybe yeah, I have, then, and I didn't know what it was called. Yeah, this, this was creepy. This was nine Russian hikers, experienced hikers, mm-hmm. who died very mysteriously in the northern Ural Mountains between February 1st and 2nd. In 1959. Now, what had happened is that there was a group of them, um, if I remember correctly, they they, they were going on a trip somewhere. They took a train. They got lodging. The next day, they set off to hike over this mountain range, which, you know, they were going to go into the next town and then call their, you know, girlfriends, family or whatever. People were going to come and meet them that, that weren't hikers. And uh, the one, they, they said they were going to contact, uh, you know, their loved ones uh, once they got so far into the, uh, um, you know, out of the mountain, the mountains the next day or whatever, but nobody ever heard from them. So they sent out a search party. And now what happened when they found these guys and girls, nine of them, they had something had frightened them so badly, obviously, in the middle of the night. These people, nine experienced hikers, cut themselves out of their tent with knives from the inside out, fled into the night wearing just their underwear. Ah, no yes, shoes. I have heard of this. Yes. Yeah. And their bodies were found not far from the campsite, uh, very mysteriously. You know, one person, they said he was exposed to a great amount of weight because he was just crushed. You know, another person was crushed. His tongue was missing. His eyes were missing. You know, it was, I mean, you can see pictures of the bodies, you know, in in the snow. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I find that story to be, you know, and there was actually a photograph and nobody knows what the photograph was. Was it? One of the people, was it whatever or whoever frightened them out of their tent? But there's like a, a shape, kind of a human or humanoid shape kind of standing by some trees. And nobody really knows who or what it is. But a uh, very, um, very peculiar circumstances. But if it was a person, I mean, there's nine of them. Why would they? Yeah. Why would they be so frightened that they would pull out knives, you know, half naked, you know, and, you know, just mm-hmm. rip into the tent and, and flee into the night, you know, and, and, and like winter conditions that that makes absolutely no sense. I've heard some people uh, say that they were probably under the influence of some kind of a chemical, but um, how, how would they know for sure? Did anyone do any autopsies? I'm thinking. I, I think they did. Um and that's the only thing they came out with is they don't know what happened because of, the, you know, being massively crushed or whatever yeah. the case may be. But I've, I've never, uh, I've never heard any, um, any autopsy or results coming back where they said, well, they were, you know, they were taking drugs or whatever. And even if they did, how do you explain the crushing? Yeah. And the tongue missing and the yeah. ear and the eyes and you know, all yeah. that, uh, all that kind of, good stuff mm. so I yeah that's i it. don't recall if that so they had no speculations at all of as to what it could have been no it you know i mean there's speculations but uh 
you know, the whole thing is still to this day just uncertain and mysterious. They 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 don't really know mm-hmm. what happened to those people. Wow. That yeah, mm-hmm. I remember when I first heard that a few years ago, it was, it was a story that just it just blew my mind. I, it, it's very fascinating, but wow. Those poor people. Yeah, that's uh I think about that once in a while, that, that incident when I think about the 411 and, you know, the, these odd things that take people. And I'm like, man, you know, j- just the level of fear you could only imagine being, being there, you know, being one of these people or with them, mm. you know, where, where there's something that's so frightening that you just. You know, you're just cutting the side of the tent and running out, you know, in your underwear and socks, you know, into, uh, you know, uh, shin deep snow, you know, in, in the middle of a mountain pass that's freezing cold. You, you got to be pretty scared. That's got to be some serious fright going on right there. No kidding. It would be interesting to find out if um, um, they also, like what you mentioned earlier about hearing creatures but not seeing them now i know you said there was a photo that they weren't quite sure what it was but uh it would be interesting to find out oh so so many questions yeah and it and it makes me think about uh you know my own experience with you know back in 1981 82 where there's Mm -hmm. so many so many of us seeing this big you know black bigfoot looking thing hanging around you know this small neighborhood and then there's something, you know, coming across the field that's growling when we're like hunting for it with our uh, <laughs> our very feeble weapons. You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh, so you know th- these things we call Bigfoot and Sasquatch. Is, is that why nobody's ever captured one or shot one or found one in the woods? Because do they have that ability that they could be there and then they could camouflage themselves or? become invisible out of our spectrum of light where we can't see them, you know? Yeah. I was just I, thinking I, that. It, yeah. Yeah. It, it definitely makes me think. Yeah. So I, I think there's more to that than, uh, than meets the eye or does not meet the eye, but. <laughs> <laughs> you Agreed. Know, yeah. I, uh, I, I think, you know, if, if that's the case, it, it would depend uh, you know, I would think whether you're attacked or taken, you know, if that's what's actually doing it. Because when I look back, you know, whatever that was in the churchyard, the church parking lot, that thing could have easily, you know, with with my backing up and turning around and running, it could have easily with the stride this thing must have had and, and probably the speed, you know, it, it could have overtaken me easily. Mm-hmm. And uh, dragged me into the woods of South Centerville, and I never would have been seen again. I would have yeah. been uh, a four one one cat. Yeah, yeah before four one one was invented. You know? Yeah, sounds but, like it just uh, wanted to uh, get rid of you. Yeah, and, I don't, and, it, and it, just like not get rid of it, as in you know, doing away with you, but just you know, they wanted you to. It wanted you to leave the area for whatever reason. Yeah, and and the growling kind of like scaring us off. I mean, there mm-hmm. it was right in front of us. If, if whatever that was could have physically touched us, mm-hmm. uh, again, it could have easily come up over that small little embankment and just, you know, slaughtered us all over the road or whatever it was going to do. Yeah. But, uh, 
but again, it, it didn't. So, you know, if that's what's uh, at least responsible for some of these 411, um, is it like anything else? Some of them are very aggressive and some of them are not, mm-hmm. you know, and we just happen to be lucky that it was not. I sometimes think you and I have the same age. Do you remember the TV show uh, Six Million Dollar Man? I do. Yes, I, do. I used to love that show. You remember when he um, he found uh, Sasquatch in the hills? I do, and, and, it, and was, that's it was fun. an alien. Yeah, and I was going to make reference to that, but I didn't know if if you or your, <laughs> or your viewers would have known the show because the thing that I saw looked a lot like. You know, Andre the Giant playing Sasquatch in oh, Six wow. Million Dollar Man. Only it was yeah. only it was, only it was much more, um, much more defined. I, I I think I would have to say the fur, you know, the hair on this thing looked uh, probably a bit shorter than portrayed in the Six Million Dollar Man because you could really see, you know, this uh, this muscle definition in the shoulders and the chest. Mm-hmm. You know, it was uh, it was like bodybuilder ape man i mean this thing was huge in every sense of the word yeah i actually think about that show a lot whenever i hear t- uh, people speak about uh, sasquatch and because um, some people believe that it is an alien and it just makes me wonder if the reason why we can't find them is maybe they're using technology to cloak themselves somehow or maybe it's an innate ability that they have who, who really knows well, you know, there's a lot of Bigfoot sightings and, you know, big hairy man, you know, mm-hmm. ape, ape being sightings. Uh, whenever there's a big flap of uh, UFOs and lights in the sky somewhere, yep. these things show up, you know. Yeah. So I don't think it takes uh, a rocket scientist to say, yeah, I, <laughs> I think they're I think they're related somehow. There's some kind of correlation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the... Um... I've heard people as well, uh, researchers say that um, um, when there's Bigfoot sightings, there's lots of orbs that are sighted in that area as well. And some people speculate that the orbs are them. Um, what's the, how, how can I word this? Um, it's like they're flashing into our, into our reality. But again, who knows? So many, so many speculations. And that, that is so funny that you mentioned that because here we are at the churchyard again, you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe uh, this is maybe 1983 <clears throat> and uh, all of us in the neighborhood, you know, that they, they were, you know, 14, 15 younger. We, we all used to get together and play this game called the hunt and the hunted. Mm. And, uh, and it was kind of like, uh, I don't know why we made this game up, but we would, we would break off into teams and uh, some of us would go and like hide, and the others would have to search for them. But it was like this green beret thing, you know. There was all this like, you know, hiding or you know, hiding yourself in weeds with you know, camouflaging yourself, and you had to like make believe to, to get out and kill the person before they they found you, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like yeah. it was like hide and seek with a with a with a hint of a green beret, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, we're, we're all down at the churchyard one night playing the, uh, the hunt and the hunted. And, uh, it was my brother, another friend of ours, whose name was Paul and, uh, one of the younger kids named, uh, Kevin. And, uh, they went into the woods. Uh, and, and again, this was kind of right, right by the side of the Sunday school building where this thing had stepped out years earlier. And there was a little clearing in there and they said, you know, they were huddled in there, you know, uh, 
waiting to see if anybody would pass by that they could, you know, uh, come out and play kill. And uh, my brother said that he saw this orange orb coming through the woods. And he said it was just kind of like bobbing along, like like it's almost walking. He's like, what the heck is that? And, uh, you know, he sees this thing. It comes out of the woods into the clearing. It's just kind of like floating along. And he points at it, you know, uh, and says, you know, to my friend Paul, which was incidentally the, the same one that saw the uh, big black shape across the road and took off running when I was with him. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, he, he pokes my friend. He points at it. He says, you know, what the hell is that? And they both, they all saw it, you know, Kevin, my brother, Paul, they, they all saw it. This orb, it's coming and it stops like it's conscious, you know, like it didn't know they were there. And they were like, what is ah. that? And it just, it just stops. Like, crap, they know and, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And, and they said it took a sudden turn, like to the right, very fast, sped toward a, a tree, hit the tree and exploded in flames. Wow. So they talk about orbs and, uh, and, and Bigfoot. That's, that's a very, um, very interesting story. And again, you know, we were all looking for them and they come running out of the, of the woods, you know, let's get the hell out of here. Was always get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember that night we all went back uh, to my house. We were, we were sitting on the front yard, all the kids in a circle. Uh, and cause I remember my mother looking out and she goes, and she's like, what are you guys doing? I'll sit in a circle in the front yard, you know? And we're like, we're just talking about weird shit, man, because we saw something at the church. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's uh, that was very odd, you know. And and I actually didn't know that about the uh, the orbs and Bigfoot. So there you go. Yeah, I've only heard about that the past few years. Um, some friends of mine, uh, researchers, Alfred Santariga and uh, Brian Bowden of um, oh, I can't remember the name of their organization now. Anyways, they've, uh, Bronxville Paranormal, um, they have gone to a place called Nuclear Lake several times, and they say they've encountered Bigfoot and orbs uh, quite a few times, and they think that there definitely is a correlation with Bigfoot, orbs, and uh, UFOs. Well, I, I definitely think they're right. You know, I, I knew about the UFOs, but now, hey, here comes the orb story, so. Yeah. And yeah that's, that's, that's really weird. That's what I like about podcasts for, for topics like this is because even if you hadn't heard about it before, but you've experienced it and you listen to shows like this, then they're like, oh, wow, you know, somebody else has experienced this. Um, and it might open doors for uh, more people to do research. It would be great if somebody could get funded to do research, but who knows? It would. It definitely would. And it, and it makes you think, too, when I was looking, you know, writing down stories, you know, personal stories and stories that I've heard uh, for this podcast. <clears throat> uh, one of the things I, I came across talking about the uh, the 411 and invisible predators in the woods mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, the various creatures of lore, you know, that did the same thing, like mm. the faithful, the sprites, mm-hmm. the gnomes, green men, the jinn. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually have I actually have a book uh, entitled UFOs in the Quran. Oh, really? And, uh, I'm fascinated by by things like that. UFOs in the Bible, UFOs mm-hmm. in the Quran, and uh, you know the the book talks about uh, 
you know, some of the uh, recent UFO sightings or popular UFO sightings in, uh, you know, in ufology. But then it goes on to talk about uh, even in the days of like Muhammad and the early uh, Islamic community, Mm -hmm. uh, there was this talk of the jinn who, you know, would take people and sometimes they would bring them back and sometimes they would not, you know. And uh, they they would just uh, disappear, you know, much like the alien abductions, mm-hmm. 411, uh, the fey folk, you know. And again, these were generally uh, would appear to people as the the orbs, you know, the the, the lights in the forest that would lead people out uh, into the middle of nowhere and then kind of gotcha type of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes they would bring them back and sometimes they wouldn't. So that's uh, that's pretty creepy stuff. <laughs> no kidding. My uh, friend Steve Stockton from Thirteen Past Midnight. You know, you know Steve. Um, mm-hmm. When he was a child, he had an encounter with uh, an invisible something, and um, he found out later on that it sounded like it was a some kind of a water elemental, like a sprite or something. Um, wow. Yeah, it was. It's pretty fascinating. Yeah, the, the stories you hear. I remember my grandfather telling a story once um, because he was, my grandparents were uh, the original, um, you know, they were hill people. I mean, these people literally lived in cabins in the woods at one point in their lives. They were like mountain folk. <laughs> and uh, my grandfather, he said when he was, he was growing up, you know, he spent a lot of time in the woods uh, as well as his brother's. And I just remember this story that, that he told a lot over the years. He said one time he was walking in the woods, you know, roundabout by, by his house. And uh, he said he saw this bird in the distance. And he said it was the weirdest looking thing. He couldn't really make it out because it was far enough away, but he could <laughs> see that it was quite tall, <clears throat> you know, almost as tall as he was. <clears throat> And he said this thing was, you know, in the woods, you know, by a group of trees, you know, ahead, just kind of like looking at him. And he said it, it started like jumping up and down. And then it turned and walked into the woods and <coughs> trying to get a closer look. He keeps following this thing. And uh, he said it would walk, you know, so many feet turn and it would like jump up and down and then turn and, and you know. And he said he, he followed it into the woods like, you know, what kind of bird is this? What, what the heck is it? And he said, it you know, the, the woods broke out into this kind of a swamp area, you know, with the stumps and the green water with the, you know, murky uh, moss or whatever growing on it, the, the algae. And he said this thing was by the edge of the swamp, you know, that he was coming out of the woods. It turned, it looked at him, and again, it was kind of hopping up and down. And he said he was all of a sudden overcome with this overwhelming feel of dread that just told told him turn around and get out of here because if you walk out of these woods to get a closer look at this thing you know at the edge of the water it's going to it's going to kill you you're you're not going to make it back home and uh he said he turned and you know took off ran into the woods you know didn't stop till he got home but uh, talk about um, everybody having encounters with bizarre things in the woods or leading them out into the woods to try to, you know, 
nabbed them for whatever reason. Yeah. One story that fascinated me was a few years ago, and not that long ago, um, uh, this young boy went missing in the States. Uh, I can't even remember how old he was. Just very, very single digits. And um, when they found him, I think it was the next day, um, they found him nowhere near where he should have been, safe and sound. And it would have been too cold for him to to be out in the, what he was wearing. And uh, he said it was okay. The big monkey protected him. I, I heard that story. Yeah. Where, where was that? Oh, I was in the States and I can't remember where. Yeah, was he was he by a river when he disappeared? Oh, I can't remember. Yeah, I remember I remember uh, hearing a story about the big monkey. Yeah. I mean that that's fascinating. You hear so many um negative experiences with uh with Bigfoot, but then you'll hear something like that about children where they're actually being taken care of. Yeah, I, I think there's a Native American uh, lore about the Bigfoot where they talked about these very big ape-like, uh, you know, kind of race that lived underground and that they were very wise and that they could speak and that they actually taught some of the uh, Native American tribes uh, different things about the earth and the woods and the elements and, you know, whatever it is they shared with them. Mm-hmm. But I guess as uh, as man... Uh, particularly the white man came and things got more and more uh, civilized, if if you want to call it that. that yeah. uh, they actually went they went underground and uh, you know they they don't make themselves known anymore. At least uh, mm-hmm. not not very much. I wonder if those are um, the same things that where they say there's underground uh, uh, cities, but not like with big buildings or anything like that. I wonder if they're talking about uh, these creatures that have gone underground. Yeah, they had that thing last summer where they said that, um, I forget where in the world it was, but they said there was uh, these gigantic land masses underneath the ground. And uh, they just discovered another one in Antarctica just like a handful of weeks ago. Mm. They said it was, it was like the biggest, like, you know, canyon, like bigger yep. than the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. you know, under the ice and, uh, you know, in Antarctica. So who knows if there's, you know, somebody or something that is down there, a a whole other world that we don't even know about. Yeah. Journey to the center of the earth. (laughs) Yeah. Because one of the things I didn't know is that, you know, when we, when we talk about the earth, you know, there's the crust, there's this, there's that. And then you get Mm -hmm. down to the core. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things that scientifically we say, yeah, this this pretty much looks, you know, uh, the way that it is, but we really don't know for sure. Mm. You know, I, I didn't know that, you know, that, the, you know, scientists are still sta- sending sound waves and all kind of things, you know, yeah. through the earth to see, you know, is it solid? Is it fluid? You know, what's down there? You know, we, we, we really don't know if you were to do like the journey of the center of the earth and get in some kind of vehicle with a big drill at the, the tip and start <laughs> burrowing down, down, yeah. down. Who knows what you would hit, you know, eventually. And who knows what's under the ice, you know, at the poles. There could have been civilizations. 
it could it definitely could and you know who knows if it's not still there you know the the yeah. one thing that i that i always found interesting uh being a person being a person that uh likes to look into the paranormal and uh the spiritual uh looking into a lot of different prophecies from different religions native american christian islamic and there's this islamic prophecy there's actually two of them that i that i find kind of eerie and uh, in lieu of some of the things we've been talking about and uh, have been recently discovered with what looks like you know giant mountain ranges and land masses and canyons and you know under the earth and under the ice but there's an islamic prophecy that says in the last days there will be a great hairy beast that will rise up out of the earth and he will go forth throughout the earth and cause, you know, havoc. And of course, if you're, uh, uh, you know, if you're a believer, you'll be okay. But if not, you know, yeah, you know, he may kill you or take you, but it also talks about a race of beings that are held back from the rest of the world by a great wall. How could that be a great wall of ice? Because they say they say eventually that great wall comes down, and uh, these things converge on us, you know, uh, like um, a pack of ravenous wolves, and it's not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't. So, so that uh, you know, those those two things I I I find very interesting. Again, you know, when you think about uh, these underground. Uh, masses and canyons and creatures and Bigfoot and, and who knows what else is out there. I mean, you know, were some of these people were were there seers in the past that tapped into something? You know, psychics that that one day we're going to experience and hope we didn't. <laughs> yeah, I was listening to the Mallard Report. Um, not well, I listen to it every week, but uh, he had this uh, guest on there. Oh, his name escapes me right now. And um, actually, he was uh, he believes the earth is flat. And he's also written a book. And I don't believe the same things he does. But I was I wanted to hear what he had to say, because, you know, I want to I want to know more about why do they believe this? And he was also saying that the reason why no one can go down to the South Pole is because we're not meant to because there's a big wall there. And we're not meant to know what's on the other side, if I'm paraphrasing correctly. <laughs> yeah, I've I've heard that too, and uh, you know, uh, I'm not so sure about the flat earthers. I mean, if that's what people believe, uh, that's fine. You know, I myself don't believe it, mm. but uh, you know, either way, you know, suppose there were, suppose that's the wall that's holding something back. Yeah. that uh, we shouldn't know about and we don't want to know about. Mm -hmm. So many fascinating things out in the world that we still don't know. There are. And then you have the uh, the alien abductions and the cattle mutilations. And uh, there's even been uh, a handful of people mutilations found, uh, much like the cows with no blood in the body and you know, these perfectly uh, laser-drilled holes with organs missing. Yeah. So, man, it's... Uh, sure sounds like, like someone's doing research or, uh, you know, something that we do whenever we go out and tag 
wildlife because we're studying them. It is, you know, and, and another one, I mean, not, not to, uh, you know, uh, not turning your show into a religious show, but just, but just interesting, interesting correlations that I've seen over the, um, over the years that make me sit back and go, wow, that's, that's interesting. And like I said, did, did somebody know something or tap into something or mm-hmm. see something clairvoyantly that, that would one day happen in our world? You know, there's, there's also this, um, uh, this prophecy uh, in, in the, uh, the Christian tradition, and I'm sure many people have heard about the Nephilim, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, uh, the sons of God that came down and mated with um, human women, and they had these hybrid offsprings. And uh, there's books like the Book of Enoch that said that, you know, these, uh, these fallen beings or beings that came down uh, polluted all things on the earth, even the beasts of the field. They, they created these... Uh, hideous chimeras that could have been, uh, as some speculate, the uh, some of the creatures and monsters of Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you have the uh, the words of Jesus when he said, and in, in the days of Noah, so shall it be uh, before the Son of Man comes. And a lot of scholars look at that and say, you know, one big thing we're missing about how it was in the days of Noah is that these things were supposedly on the earth. You know, so are we looking at some kind of interdimensional, uh, you know, alien invasion where they were here once and they're coming back again and they're going to uh, make uh, a pretty good mess of things here on planet Earth? That's interesting, too. I was just telling uh, uh, some friends the other day, we were talking about, uh, you know, the Space Force um, Mm -hmm. and how all of a sudden... There seems to be all these discoveries out in space, uh, strange sounds that uh, they've, um, what were they called? Short burst, uh, short radio bursts, or I can't remember what they're called, that they found in uh, uh, two separate locations, and um, they're not quite sure what those sounds are. Um, Not saying that it is alien, because it could be be anything out there um, that's going to be sending back a signal, but um, even something natural, but... It's just very, very interesting how all of a sudden space seems to be um, uh, active. It is. It, it definitely is. There's all kind of anomalies and sounds and mm-hmm. yep. you know th- things that are whizzing by the Earth all the time, and we don't we don't know where they came from. <laughs> you know, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it it does make a body wonder. You know that um, that something. You know, because you look at all the traditions, like you know, even the Mayans and native americans and different tribes they the early sumerians i mean they they all have these legends of someone that was here you know the, the gods mm-hmm. and that, that one day they're going to return you know and when you read a lot of these um these accounts of the gods it's it's all very similar how they they taught men certain things they they intermingled with with human beings and created, you know, strange half alien or half god, half human uh, beings. And uh, you know, is that is that what we're looking at in the in, in the future? The the Anunnaki and what many others call them. Mm-hmm. You know, are we gonna are we gonna be in for? Uh, I don't know if it's a pleasant surprise or not, but I guess it's. <laughs> If it happens, we'll find out. (laughs) 
let's hope it's not going to be an incident like that old science fiction movie where the aliens came down and they had this book and it says how to serve man um it was actually a cookbook <laughs> yeah wasn't that the simpsons <laughs> well yeah it was from the simpsons too but, but it was an old science fiction movie i remember watching right right where they were bringing humans with them back on their ship, and they're thinking, oh, well, they're going to worship us. No, and as after they leave, someone's like, no, no, we finally we finally broke the the code to see, you know, their their language or whatever, and it's like, it's it's a cookbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it. You know, I, I think um, a lot of these old civilizations, you know, it... If, if what they're writing has any basis in reality and the whole UFO alien uh, phenomenon, um, these things usually showed up right before there was the whole collapse of entire civilizations were just mm -hmm. gone. So obviously, yeah. uh, obviously they're not good news <laughs> yeah. when, when they show up. Or some people say that they know something's gonna, something bad's going to happen on the planet. They're bringing back uh, humans with them. And when it settles down, then they bring them back to uh, resettle the, the planet. But who knows? Yeah, there is that theory that they're, they're not here to hurt anyone, but they're here to uh, take certain people and, as you said, bring them back to rebuild afterwards. Yeah. So many questions. So few answers. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think when you look at all the mutilations and all the creepy stuff that's out there. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I, I think... At least in my opinion right now, I, I think we're more uh, to be looking at something how to serve man on the menu rather than help them out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or there's, there could be more than, than one uh, reason why they're here. One of them is for that, and uh, the other one just to study, and who knows? Could be. Very well could be. Do you believe an hour has gone by? Well... I do believe it has. We are at one hour, five minutes, 12 seconds. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was just thinking roughly an hour. I, I didn't actually pay attention to the time. I just posted uh, it up on, on Skype here. So. Oh, I never thought, yeah, you're brilliant. <laughs> never thought of doing that. Well, before we go, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your shows and where people can find you? Well, as I say every week on People Under the Stairs, you could contact me through email at nocturnalmagic at gmail.com to uh, ask any questions or even be a guest on my show, The Spirit Side, which, you know, I, I talk about spirituality. I talk about the paranormal. Sometimes I kind of marry them together, like, you know, the, the aliens and the prophecies and these weird things that are happening. I'm a, I'm a wide a wide scale speculator, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I have my other show, The Spirit Side, which is on all the uh, the uh, podcasting platforms. I'm also with uh, you know our good buddy Stan with People Under the Stairs yep. once a week show, and uh, I started another podcast called the Rancha Podcast, which is kind of a more of a spiritual show, uh, just something to uh, put some positive vibes out there because. You know, there's an awful lot of darkness, an awful lot of conspiracy theory, and we sit around a lot going, wow, what's all this creepy stuff? I think sometimes yeah. uh, people people need a little bit of uh, hope in life because there's too much perseverating, I think, on the, uh, the ugly and the scary. But okay. that's where you can find me or, you know, YouTube, Facebook, 
uh, Twitter. I'm not on Instagram because I find that to be, as I always say, the most worthless social media <laughs> platform <laughs> on the face of the earth. But uh, just <laughs> Paul James Caden or the spirit side, Paul James Caden. Uh, you know, if you Google me, I, I pop up uh, every which direction. I'm everywhere. I'm Big Brother. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get rid of you. I'll also have links on the show notes when uh, this episode is released as well. So it'll be easier for the listeners to find you. There we go. Appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, Paul. I enjoyed this and I hope to have you on again at some point. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I hope your uh, listening audience uh, liked the show. And uh, if they didn't, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much and you take care. You too. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants.